in verse 16, this is a familiar passage of scripture. It says, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. You know who that is, don't you? Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. A sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Okay. So is your foundation is your salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and the atonement that he made for your sins. They're all paid for. Nothing owing anybody but to love them. And so when, when Jesus Christ is your foundation, the foundation of your life, that means that you seek him in his word before you step out and do anything. You make sure that you're in obedience to God's will for your life And as you are trusting in him and believing in him, you shall not make haste for anything. So people who make haste are desperate people. They even had a show on not long ago, Desperate Housewives. Everybody's desperate for something. You know, they got programs called Driven. You know, like you you just can't wait to get... Get your life in gear and you can't wait for certain things. Now we have everything <clears throat> coming to us on an instant level. They finally perfected the microwave oven, but all it can do is get you a fast sandwich. But that's fine because most people who go microwave want something fast. And so we have everything now that's almost in an instant fashion. I was... We were uh, discussing some books that the ministry wants to publish and get in print. And they have what they call now instant publisher. It used to be for us to get a good price on books, we had to buy at least 500 to 1,000. You have to ship them and pay shipping and you got to store them and all of that. But now all of that is cut out. You can get a book published one at a time. They send it. They can send electronic books. Everything is speeding up and getting faster. Except God. Amen. He never changes. His word never changes. God's not in a rush for anything. You can't upset him and get him all wound up and fearful and all that kind of stuff. He's not easily moved. In fact, God is not moved. He is the mover. So he moves us to do the things that need to be done. But as we take on God's character, we have a sense That if you're a person who lives by faith, you will not make haste. One of the things that makes us hasty is fear. Fear causes desperation. And fear is what your emotions respond to. Your carnal man, your carnal frame, the emotional side of you without God is fueled by fear. And fear causes desperation. Your spirit, however, holds the faith of God. And in order to get God's results or get his word to come to pass, you have to engage your spirit at all times. So God responds to what's in your spirit. He does not respond to what's in your flesh. You ever feel like, oh boy, I just can't take no more of this. Huh? That's your spirit talking. And so your spirit, I mean, I'm sorry, your flesh talking. Your flesh can only respond to what it feels, what it sees And what it hears, it responds to all your natural senses, and it's fed by your natural senses. 
So when, when your natural man is engaged, you will experience thoughts of fear, of hurry, I'm running out of time, I can't wait, you know, it's going to be too late. All of these things come to us because of the the man of the flesh and the fear that he uh, gets involved in. Satan threatens us in the natural, and this causes us upset and desperation. God is not pushing you to do anything. He's not threatening you about anything. He's not... uh, um, prompting you to move without thinking without considering without deciding remember jesus when he would come up to people and and they would be obvious it would be obvious to everybody what was wrong with them and he'd ask them what do you want me to do for you got me you know you walk up to somebody who's blind and they're screaming your name and you go up to them and say what do you want Well, that's always the invitation for faith to be engaged, because if your faith is not engaged, he can't help you. So faith must be expressed by your voice. Other than that, God would just do anything he wanted to us all the time. We wouldn't be people of faith. We'd be people just sitting here waiting and looking and wondering, and then God slaps something on you. See, he would he would invalidate what he's put in us. If we're made in his image. Being made in God's image means that we're able to make decisions and choices, use our will and use our faith to get our lives in order. And so your will and your faith must be engaged before God can do anything for you. So that's why he said, what can I do for you? Now, it's amazing, but you will have people who will have obvious physical needs. We have healing school miracle services uh, six times a year. And it never ceases to amaze me. Somebody will come up and they've been referred by their pastor because they don't have healing ministry where they are and they want these people healed. And I'll say, well, what do you want me to pray for for you? And they'll say, well, my finances. And I'm thinking, why can't we get you out this wheelchair, which will straighten out your finances as well. But you see how desperate people can get? They think if they don't have money, I can I can tough it out in this wheelchair. But if I don't get money, it's just all over for me, you see. And so it's because of the enemy's influence in our lives that we are driven to this type of desperation. But in order for God to do anything for us, folks, he got to have our permission and our faith in operation for that to happen. And faith is not desperate. Amen. Remember the man that <coughs> had the daughter? Jesus was had a healing meeting, and everything was going well. And this man, you know, it got up enough nerve to ask Jesus. I think he this was the ruler of the synagogue. And see, that's like the uh, uh, Muslim sneaking over to a Christian church to get prayer. You know what I'm saying? They, just, they don't want to be discovered. So he gets in line, and you know, you got to do it because the daughter is just about to die. And he gets in line and says, Jesus, if you can come to my house, heal my daughter. Then a lady who had faith sponged and jumped in the line ahead of him and and touched the hem of his garment and stole her healing right from him. Huh? She wasn't desperate. She was just sick of being sick. There's a difference. You can be sick of being sick and use your faith. Huh? And you could be sick of being sick and go get something else that somebody's offering you and still stay sick. 
But this lady made up her mind. She said, no, nah, I'm just tired of this whole thing. I heard about this man. She said, they're not going to let me. I can't go up to him and ask for prayer like everybody else because I ain't even supposed to be out here in this crowd. But she said, I think if I can just touch him. See, that's what her faith was telling her to do. But faith is not desperate. It just knows. You got me? It knows that God will deliver. And if you know that God will deliver, you can wait until the baby's big enough to be delivered. You understand what I'm talking about? It's about the same thing. Huh? You know, a lot of times women get nervous. They get in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I'd be glad when this baby get here. Then they go to all the root workers and find out what to do to make it come quick. They told me if I do 18 somersaults and flip. Well, if you can do all that, my goodness, <laughs> you can deliver your own baby. I've got to take a laxative. They say if I do that, no, that's just going to make a big mess for no reason whatsoever. So let's just stay with the program. But eventually they all wait it out, don't they? And babies come when they do. They all come on time. But anyway, it is like that with faith. Sometimes we get anxious about the answer. But sometimes our faith tells us now. And her faith set a time and a day and a situation For her to receive her healing, she said within herself. That's how the Holy Spirit, that's where the Holy Spirit talks to you. Within yourself. And you said a situation, you said a time. She said, I don't know if I could just touch him, I'll be made whole. So she touches Jesus. And here this man is already waiting for Jesus to come to his house. See, that'll tell you something right there. See, if you can take God at his word... You'll be ahead of the guy who has to have a certain situation set up so that he could have what he wants. I'll be glad when I get so-and-so and I'll have this and that. Well, you're setting bad conditions for yourself because you ain't going to never get so-and-so. You know? And like people say, I'll be glad when I get all my credit cards paid down. And it ain't going to happen. Not the way you rushing out there before payday with that little plastic. You know, you go in there, go online. Now you can go online, see how much you got left. You know, see, when you're doing that, uh, you ain't going to never get them paid off. So you might as well ask God to give you yours now. God, I ain't trustworthy, but I want a new dress. Please send it to me. Amen. Instead of messing with, try to mess his mind up and yours messed up enough. But anyhow, this guy, you know, sometimes we do that. We get a little religious on God. See, the ruler of the synagogue said, if you can come to my house, because he's used to bossing people around in the church. Bishop, I don't want to step on nobody's toes. Well, you know, Bishop want us to do that. Bishop and Bishop and Bishop. And he used to bishop all over the place. So he figured he'd bish on Jesus, you know, come on over to my house. and In the meantime, some nut comes up and tells the bishop, your daughter dead. Now, these are the head intercessors in the joint. They're always there with bad news. Though your daughter dead, don't trouble the master any further. Well, what kind of good report is that? See, it's a good thing that when you, when you, pray and you ask Jesus for something you ask God in the name of Jesus he takes that request and holds it 
and he will deliver. Once that request is made, see when that guy said, come to my house and heal my daughter, Jesus took her life into his hands. So any report that came after that was nullified because he already had her life in his hands. And he won't fail you. See, that's why faith is not desperate. Oh, these people run up here and tell me, well, you know, uh, <coughs> Bishop, uh, <laughs> we about to have it home going now. Uh, we got it all set up. You know, we got all assisted and made all kind of food. Oh, we got the best fish up there. And Peter didn't, you know, come in with a load and all that. We got the best fish, you know, this blessed fish over there. We going to have a home going. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just keep believing. When fear comes in, you get desperate and you lose faith. If you fear not, then you'll only believe. See? So he decided to believe Jesus because Jesus had that girl's health, healing, and life right in his hands. The minute he asked for it, that girl, he was going to see that that girl either got healed, raised from the dead, or whatever was necessary for her to come back to life again. Amen? So that's why faith is not desperate. Because once that request is made and you're trusting God to do what you've asked him to do, you're not trying to do it yourself, but you're believing in him who has made the promise to you. It's a big difference. Big difference. We just have to keep believing no matter what it takes, no matter what it looks like. People used to say, hold on to your faith. That's a good admonishment because it can slip away from you. You hear enough negative things, it'll slip away. So Jesus does everything he can to preserve that man's faith. And when he goes there, he finds all the mourners already there. You wonder if they're really intercessors at all, if they were mourners all the time. Just just saying, I, I ain't pointing a finger, just, just some food for thought. Think about it. But if you've got a child that's sick unto death, you better be careful about the kind of people you let be around her bedside. Because they probably were mourners all the time. Trying to act like we praying, we holding on, we asking God for a miracle. Everybody pull. What's she looking like? Not too good. You got me. So they frying the chicken up and everything already for the wake in the home going. And they supposed to be believing God with you for a miracle. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. You know, you don't need nobody to help you die. You need people to help you live. You need people to help you get a miracle. You don't need a bunch of people. Well, I'm moving on. I'm serious. We just won't. Don't park there. So, all right. <clears throat> usually when material things are the central issue, fear is usually the driving force. Now, I wonder who would be responsible for putting stress in your life for material things. Certainly not God. God. God's answers to your material needs are always spiritual. Have faith. Amen. 
have confidence. Make your request known. And I will give you my peace. Not the new dress, new delivery, but I'll, I'll let you be reassured that you can get it. But I'm going to give you something to hold you together until it shows up. So even though he promises us the desires of our hearts, when he answers us, his answer always comes in the form of something spiritual. If you're upset about your money, the money coming in right now is not going to satisfy your upset. But God will help your upset so that you can stay peaceful until the money comes. I'm going to say it again. Because, see, people miss this important point. He says, if you, if you, if you lack anything, he said, pray, let your requests be made known to me. Don't call mama, daddy, cousin, cousin, whoever always, you know, the same $20 y'all keep borrowing from each other. all Don't don't call them. Been doing it so long you don't know who who owed 20 to last. Well, I paid you. No, you didn't. Because, you know, when when you paid me, I asked that back from you and I got some yum. Right. Them. Cutting them. He said, make your request known to me. I'm your daddy. You come to me and let your request be made. Even children, when y'all get a certain age, quit begging mama for everything. You need to talk to God about your needs. He's your daddy. He don't have no grandchildren. He only has children. So he wants to hear from you. And don't be using them witchcraft. God tell mama to give me. No, don't do that. You're still going to try to rob little trespassers and bandits. They stay in your pocket till they get 80 years old if you let them, huh? But anyway, <laughs> it's the truth. He said, let your request be made known unto me. And the answer, he says, is the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He's more worried about your emotional, spiritual health being maintained than he is about you having a bunch of stuff. And there's a message in that. Your problem is not your lack of stuff. Your problem is how you feel about it. I'm going to say it again. But see, people miss this. Your problem is not your lack of stuff. Your problem is how you feel about it. If you have peace about it, then you have an assurance inside of you that God has heard you and whatever you need is on the way. And you know it's going to arrive in time. That's what God's peace does for you. It's an assurance. It's, you know, I don't have to be nervous about this. I don't know how it's going to come, but I know it's coming. And I know it's going to be enough. I know it's going to be more than enough. And I'm going to have everything that I need because God has given me this bond of peace. The Bible says, let peace rule in your hearts. Let peace be your umpire. You know, umpire says, safe or out. If you really believe in God and trusting him, you're safe. When the peace shows up. And so God tells us, with the, your answer is always going to be spiritual. Because your problem's spiritual. It's not material. Now the devil will start to manipulate material things around. 
He's a thief, okay? Steal, kill, destroy. That's, that's all he ever does. So when you're short on something or you have some lack somewhere, it's because he's stealing from you. Well, I didn't have nothing to begin with. That's because he done stole from you so long, you even know he's stealing. See, we take responsibility for a lot of things he does. Not that we have no responsibility, but you can't own what he does. The only thing, your responsibility is to call him out on it and make him stop. He'll deceive people. Well, I was looking at this, this watch I've been looking at for the longest time finally went on sale. How much is it? Well, it went down from 600 to 450 Good, because I got one on eBay a month ago for $50. Just got to know what game to get in. You understand what I'm saying? Well, this one brand new. Well, mine is used, but once you put that on your, your uh, wrist one time, it's used now. Well, you know, they say you get what you pay for, and if you don't pay much for it, you get more. Well, I don't want nothing cheap. Oh, this ain't cheap. This cost me something. It didn't cost as much as you paid for yours, but it did cost me something. But because I paid less, that don't make it cheap. Oh, no, honey, I prayed for this. That means means it's high quality because God put it in my life. Very high quality. You got to know how to get a different game going. You don't play his game. You change the game. Got me? Faith is a game changer. Huh? It's a game changer. When you get involved in the faith of God and the devil sees he can't move you about nothing, he can't disturb you about nothing, he can't work your nerve and get you desperate and crazy, he said, oh my goodness, what didn't happen to her? She just got God and held on to him instead of letting go of him like he used to make me do, devil. Huh? I decided to hold on for the ride this time and not let go because his hand don't change. Man. So, <clears throat> a lot of times we think that if we don't desire wealth, then we won't, we won't be successful. Let me put it to you that way. We think we have to want, 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 want. In order to get certain things. Let me tell you something interesting about wealthy people. At some point they may start out with money being the motive. But you talk to the ones that are really wealthy. And you'll find out at some point they flipped over from just wanting the material to now they want something in, you know, something of higher character, something. You talk to them, they'll say, well, you know, when I, when I got this, started this business, I was so glad we made money and we did this and we did that. And then after a while, we saw that we could hire more people. Right. So now the focus isn't the dollar and the material. It's what you can bring into other people's lives. 
So money being a motivator exhausts itself pretty soon. The material being a motivator exhausts itself pretty soon. You talk to Bill Gates, he'll tell you, he said, well, this business just kind of got a life of its own after a while. And we found that we had enough money to help people through our scholarship fund or through our giving or through our charitable arm. So money doesn't hold motivation. The material doesn't hold motivation even for sinners and carnal people. Why is it that the devil seems to always try and get success over us who should not even be concerned about the material? Isn't that right? Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. Life in, in the Spirit of God. So we should be after the spiritual all the time anyway, understanding that once you get the command of the realm of the spirit, you can command anything into your life you need. So you change the game then. See? You don't even have to be a player no more. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. I hate the player and the game. You got me? And I'm changing the game. I got a new game now. I'm believing God for mine. And I'm going to hold on to righteousness. I'm going to hold on to faith. I'm going to hold on to my peace. I'm going to hold on to my patience. I'm going to hold on to every spiritual force that God has given me to work with. Because I know if I hold on to those, I can command this area that the devil works in. Because the devil works in the realm of the spirit. It's just that many people are not aware there's a spiritual game going on behind the scenes that's calling the shots, moving your material stuff around. You know, you ever get all your bills figured out and you look at it, I got this payment, and at the end of it, you're in the black. For those of you who are never there, no, an old joke, but that means you got a little money left over. Hallelujah. And the minute you see, you you know, and that's the right way to do it. The guy, God says, oh, no man, anything but to love him. So pay your bills first. You're doing the right thing. You're going. And, and then all of a sudden, a new bill for your, you know, your, your uh, electricity is more, a hundred more dollars this month. Now, God didn't do that. He didn't send you that big electric bill. But the devil does these things to see if he can move us out of faith and confidence in God and get panicky and desperate. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? $100. That ain't nothing to God. You understand what I'm saying? He burns $100 bills just to take the devil off. The devil's the one who's short on money. God's not. God can make anything he wants and as much of it as he wants. Of course, you know, our our government thinks they God now. They just print money like crazy and not worth much. But when God does it, it's valuable and it's worth something. So God's not desperate, folks, and he's not making us desperate. But he's trying to keep us in a place of peace while he works out what we need Behind the scenes. It takes time for God to speak to people about you. It takes time for God to set 
things up for us according to our prayers. You know, some people got prayers like a shopping list. You know, like <laughs> God's looking at us like, what? That's over in China somewhere. I got to send an angel to China and get it back over here to you when you need it. Huh? I mean, our list is so long sometimes, you know. Get this, get this, get that. I'm waiting on this, waiting on believing for that. And so God needs time. Let me tell you why he needs time. Not so much to do that because you know he could do it in an instant. He needs time for you to get you out of desperation over in the faith and confidence. See? Confidence. Confident people do not move quickly. Huh? Y'all, everybody knows what I mean. Remember that guy you like so much? Yeah, him. The one that thought he was all that and didn't like calling you. Him. And you sat up waiting for the call and thought you would lose your mind. <laughs> you mean he don't like me? He ain't called me yet. Come look in the phone. <laughs> Finally, you break down and call him. He cold his eyes, acting funny. <laughs> True. <laughs> then one day you got wise. You learned the game. <laughs> then the next one that liked you, I ain't never calling him. And you meant it. And he was on there all the time. Baby, what you doing? Who is that? Do I know who you are? That's the game, ladies and gentlemen. Guys do it too. You just found your confidence. You just found your peace. You quit being desperate, or if you're desperate inside, you ain't showing it on the outside. (laughs) You want to hit that phone bad. But the game says you got to hold out. Let him be desperate for a chance. That's what I'm talking about. That's female trick number 1,000. You don't get there overnight. Trust me. <laughs> you got to go to graduate school. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Praise God. (laughs) So you all get my drift. You got to have confidence. If your confidence is in God, you're not easily moved. You know how to get peace of mind. Everybody in here ought to have a pet scripture that they can go to when they start getting crazy and stupid and want to get over the edge. Huh? (laughs) Huh? Go get that ski mask and that hoodie and put it on and throw your throw your pistol in your purse. You know what I mean? Hit the little corner convenience store. No, we ain't going there. We're going to trust God. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you trust God, faith is not desperate. It's not desperate. 
the enemy will try to move us to desperation. When needs arise, we must have a way to get into the spirit. Talk about your favorite scripture. A point of contact to get into God's world of provision and peace about it. You got me? Provision and peace about it. The Bible says his blessings are without sorrow. They make rich and they're without sorrow. Amen. So once we contact God, we must find rest, peace, and encouragement. We need to seek these spiritual forces as a way to keep ourselves in the company of God. See, if you can keep your mindset focused on him and keep yourself in the realm of the spirit, no matter what kind of news comes to you, you will be able to keep your faith strong. And the stronger your faith is, the more confidence you have in God, the sooner God will bring it to you. However, time cannot be your only consideration there. Getting out of fear can't be your consideration. You know, and thinking that if you get this, you won't be scared anymore. I got news for you. There are people that buy machine guns, arsenals, and they're still scared. You understand what I'm saying? They, they're the ones that go blow something up or go shoot up a school or something. Because no matter what confidence you put in the material, it's never going to take care of that spiritual deficit in there is where the fear comes from. <clears throat> so your confidence in God is always going to win you over, win, win you over into the realm of faith. In his presence, we're able to receive his assurance of the provision And we receive the ability to wait for it to come. Fred Price used to teach this all the time. He says, once you ask God for something, you cannot, you you must nail the factor of time to the cross. He said, time cannot be a factor for you any longer once you believe God for something. Amen. In this peace, in his presence, he'll give us instruction. He'll make a plan and a means to resolve the issue. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we'll talk about, give you an example of David. I know I've given you some examples, but this one I wanted to show you because it's interesting, I think. Familiar scripture, we talk about it all the time, about David making full recovery. What do you mean recovery? I don't know that I've lost anything. I think we have. If you're saved and you really know what God has done for you, you'll know that your salvation, your life as a saved person is really a process of redemption and gaining back what's been stolen from you. Other than that, we would have no right to expect anything from God. It was first given. The enemy, through deceiving the man and the woman, stole it from us and put it under his own authority. And see, when you play the devil's game and try to get something from him, you'll always lose. Because he's not, he's not a giver, he's a taker. So if you start dealing with the world system, you start, there's risk involved in it all the time. Even if you buy stocks or you invest your money in a bank, that stuff thing can fold overnight. 
And so there's always risk involved anytime you're working with the world system. But in God's system, there's no risk. So that's why he tries to get us out of desperation, out of the world system, out of trusting in the natural and put all of our confidence over in him. Because when we come to God, we are redeeming and receiving back what's been taken from us. That's why we have a right to it. We once had it. It's been stolen. Now you're laying claim to it once more. <clears throat> so that's why we have you don't you have no idea what God ordained for your life. Before the devil got involved. That's why your sin doesn't really matter to him as long as you confess it and you're not trying to get a free ride and be a, a, a what they call a, them a sipping saints. You know, the ones that knock them back all the time. Huh? Or rolling saints. Huh? You know, roll your little snubbing on that and. All that kind of stuff. He he doesn't want you doing that. Your heart should be toward him and you want to live a holy life without sin. And so as long as that's your heart cry and you go to God when you mess up, you ask forgiveness and you get it, then sin's not an issue for him. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness and you go through like you never did anything before, like it never happened. Huh? That's what you tell people. You know, sometimes you run to people that used to know you back in the day. And you say, who are you talking about? (laughs) That person don't exist anymore. And then tell them why. Do you know I'm saved now? I don't do that. I go to church. I do that. So, wait, 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 wait. Hold it, hold it, hold it. They'll back up or get interested. One of the two. But that person does not exist anymore. So you don't have to live in the guilt and condemnation that the enemy wants you to live in. Because I can tell you one thing, those two forces will keep your faith from working. If you feel guilty all the time, you can't get under the blood enough to know that your sins are totally forgiven and they didn't happen and anybody who brings it up to you is is an accuser of the brethren and working for the devil. Huh? We're not supposed to examine each other at all. In the Lord. The Bible said dig yourself. You check yourself out. Examine yourself. See. We all do the self-examination. We don't examine each other. I don't know what you think in your heart. I'm barely trying to hold on to mine. You know sometimes people say well you know you have a habit to do. I say is that what that is? It keeps me messing up all the time. You understand what I'm saying? We need, our, we need help ourselves. So that we can live right. You can't manage anybody else's spiritual life. Come on now. So David in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 <clears throat> verses 1 through 6 came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now Ziklag was really a, a, a part of the tribe of Judah that was a city in Judah. But because of King Saul's ineptness as a warrior and a leader, it had fallen into the hands of the Philistines. And King Achish had given it to David again. So here's the principle. It used to belong to you, got stolen. You're redeeming. You're already restoring what, what's been stolen to you, to, from you by the enemy that was given to you by God. And had taken women <clears throat> captives. 
that were therein, they didn't kill any of them, either great nor small, but carried them away and went on their way. You know, sometimes a death is easier to take than a kidnapping. You talk to some of the people that are missing. You know, remember all the missing children that we had the prayers for. And sometimes people, until they know what happened, there's a daily torment, wondering. It's a tormenting tactic for the devil to take something, hold it hostage, hold it under his power and under his authority and under his control, and not let anybody know the fate of it. You imagine that if your wife and children were missing, you're wondering, what, what, who's got them? What are they doing to them? Are they fearing for their lives? Are they dead? Are they, are they being tortured? Whatever it is. And so that's a, a tormenting situation to take something and hold it captive, especially a loved one. And so this is what they were going through. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And you got grown men crying. You got the king crying because they look at all this desolation and everything's missing, even their loved ones. And David's two wives were taken captive. Now, Israel had a law. That a man was not to have two wives. Why he want to, I don't know. But that's a whole other difference. We ain't going there, we going here, I hope. <laughs> Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, well, she was wealthy and she was a prophetess. So, top of the list, <laughs> so to speak. You know, you know, I mean, if you just had to choose, but he doesn't have to. We won't go there. <laughs> Both of them were taken captive. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because their, their souls were grieved. So when something's been taken from you, your soul wants vengeance. So there's two ways you can go in any situation. You can go the way of the flesh, or you can go the way of the spirit. The people t- talked about stoning David, but what would that do to get them back? But when something's missing like that, what you want to do is blame somebody. The last thing you think about is recovery. Isn't that right? First thing you want to well, who did this? How'd that happen? If you don't know how to get yourself beyond that point and get yourself over into the God of recovery and the God of hope, And the God who promised you that you and your whole house would be saved, not a hair of your head will fall to the ground. Your seed will be delivered, though hand joined in hand, the seed of the righteous will be. If you don't get in touch with that God, all you'll ever want is to get even with somebody about something they did for you. I'm telling you folks, you need to trade up. We need to change the game. Because you don't need to focus on getting even with somebody about something they did to you or finding out who's responsible. What does it matter who's responsible? I sound like Hillary Clinton at the hearing, don't I? I watch a little television. (laughs) Where it matters when natural things doesn't happen again. 
But it doesn't matter in the realm of the spirit because there's recovery and there's retrieval if you will trust God. I'll tell you the difference. That that girl, uh, Dugard, what was her? They found her after almost 20 years of being missing. This man kept her on in California. What was her? Stacy or JC? Yeah. Kept her prisoner. Raped her almost daily. She had two children, teenage girls by now. But you know what the mother said the day before they found her? She said, J.C., where in the world are you? She held on to her faith. You don't talk to a, a dead person like that. You're scared to even reach out with a voice if you believe they're gone. But this mother, for all of those years, held on to the hope that her daughter was still alive. And they found her alive. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody's got to have faith for recovery. See, recovery, recovery is a higher realm than vengeance. That's why God takes it away from us. Because we have crazy without all of that nonsense running around in our heads. That's why he says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. We get all excited thinking somebody going to get it because they said something to us. Well, maybe somebody want you to get it because you said something to them. So you know what God does? He could a zero. You don't owe them nothing. They don't owe you nothing. Just forgive them, and I'll get you into some recovery. See what I'm saying? So recovery, vengeance is for the desperate who have no hope of ever getting anything back. You don't have a God that can promise you that. That's all you have. Is getting even. Huh? Got a bunch of people running around trying to get even with somebody. Huh? You got to understand. You got to ask yourself some things. Do you trust God? Number one. It's the number one question. David had to answer that for himself. He says the people spoke of stoning him in verse 6 because. The soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord as God. And David did what we should do when we, have, we think about getting desperate. Find your favorite scripture that calms you down and gives you peace. Huh? That you always go to, that, that you can rely on, that one, that foundational thing way back when you first met God that always has held you in confidence and hope in God. And that's what David did. He started giving himself psalms that he had written. He started giving himself the word. You know, <clears throat> my sister and I, when we were new believers in, in starting this ministry, we'd always bring out the Clark sisters. You know, playing in the in the old uh, tape recorder in the in the car. You get your. They, we didn't have CDs. We had cassettes back in there, and we it would bump, and we'd hit it. Go, Twinkie, talk to me. Talk to me, Twinkie. Tell me it's gonna be all right, huh? He will make your enemies your footstool. He will never suffer your foot to be moved. Amen. And so that's what we would get. We would get the things that we knew kept us in hope in God. Huh? And so when you get that and you understand what you, that's how you encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You encourage yourself. 
If you're a self-encourager, you don't need to wait for deliverance from something. You don't need to wait for somebody to come and give you something to pull you out. You encourage yourself in the Lord because you have a relationship with him. So David's men were desperate. They were moved only by the flesh. They had no hope of getting anything back. So David had to come out of that as a leader, as a family leader, as a parent, as a, a believer in a group of individuals. You've got to be a leader who knows how to lead people out of desperation over into hope and into recovery. Huh? You do it all the time. You have people at your job. They know you're a Christian. They may talk about you in the coffee room, but hey, it's life in the big city. Uh, we'll hold that against you. You're supposed to talk about me. I'm God's gift to this office. I'm your, I'm your way out, whether you know it or not. And see, people know that. They just don't ever want to think they're going to need nothing you got. But when they do, sneak up on you. Nobody looking, nobody in there but you. Um, and they push the door and stand. When they back up and put their weight against the door, you know what they want. <laughs> want somebody to pray for them. Um, I just thought I would ask you. Huh? Yeah. I knew you'd be coming. <laughs> and God's already prepared my heart to love you and help you. And not be upset because you don't like me. Huh? I can tell you, if they persecute you for your stand in Christ, they will need you before you will need them. You got me? They will need you. First thing David did was encourage himself in the Lord. You've got to get your mind out of desperation and fear in order to hear from God. You've got to come to God in covenant terms. Covenant is not desperate, it's not fearful, it's encouraging, and it's trusting. So you've got to go to God in faith and in trust in him. Verse 8, it says, <clears throat> in verse 6, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he went to somebody who was away from the situation enough and of higher spiritual authority than he was to get an answer from them. This is no time to try and play it. Well, I don't tell my business. This ain't business, okay? This is more than business. This is God's business. Once you open it up to God's help, you will get the help you need. But so many people die and are sick because they don't want, I don't want nobody to know I've been to the doctor and what the evil report is. Don't say the C word. Huh? Courage. <laughs> I had some courage. Remember him? Oh, I, and the Wizard of Oz. He was looking for courage. Huh? And had it all the time. All you have to do is yield to it. Confidence in God and faith in God is a spiritual force you can yield to at any time. It's already in there. You don't have to wait for somebody to bring it to you. But you will have to move in God's authority. And David had no authority to consult God on this level. So he went to the priest the way he was supposed to. Just like when you have certain troubles and your girlfriends can't pray you through, you got to go to your pastor. What do you think you have a pastor for? And so he says, <clears throat> he inquired of the Lord and asked him this. He says, shall I pursue after all these people, this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him and didn't have to take three days. 
You don't see David fasted 40 days to get an answer? Which is good because I wouldn't have many. (laughs) Praise God, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you know. (laughs) You pray in tongues, you can get an answer from God real fast about anything. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) Man, if I had to turn down too many, well, we won't even go there. No dessert, no, you know, and they be sailing the meals by you quick, fast, and you can't have none of that. Woo! God wasted no time in answering David. You know why? God's mind's already made up about your victory. It's already made up about your victory. He will never tell you you're going to be a loser. If you're not up to the job, he'll tell you, go consult so-and-so and they will help you. Go get from so-and-so and they will help you. Go do so-and-so and this person will help you, but he, will all, he always has a pathway to victory for us. So they, God told him, pursue, for you shall surely, surely is a covenant term. Verily, verily, surely, those words mean the life of Jesus Christ is paid for this for you. Don't depend on your skill, David. It don't depend on anything you got, David. It depends on what I've told you I will do for you because you have a covenant with me. And so he says, surely you shall recover all. And then David, they went and David pursued he and 400 men. Now my question is this. How did these men go from wanting to kill him to now they're with him? Hmm? How did they go from wanting to kill him to now they'll obey him and run off with him again under his authority and under his command? Huh? God has to arrange that for you. See, that's why we, he doesn't allow us to go about creating our own deliverance and choosing our own path for how we want a prayer answered. He has to prepare that for us himself. So God prepared those men's hearts that when David said, came in and said, I've heard from the Lord. Oftentimes God will give them a, give you something to tell people that will trigger in them the willingness to help you. The willingness to go the extra mile. The willingness to obey God on your behalf. He has to do that for you. You can't do that yourself. So don't get mad at people if they don't want to do things you ask them to do when you're desperate. Don't get mad at people if you go to them and they say, well, you know what? I really don't think I can help you this time. I know I helped you the last time, but I don't think this is my turn. Somebody else's turn. You got me? And so don't be upset because those familiar ways that God has moved for you in the past aren't working for you anymore. If he let them work for you all the time, you'd have his job. And God still wants to be God to you. I don't care what kind of trouble you're in. He still wants you to trust him and lean on him 100% for the things that you need. And so the Bible says that these men followed David. There were a few men who were too tired to take the journey. But it says that David went, he and those men, and they went to the place In verse 19, it says, There was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them, for David recovered all. 
And so that's what God has on his mind when he doesn't let you get stuff in your desperation. Huh? Oh, God, I can't go no longer. If I don't get this, I'm just going to lose my mind. Well, you're just going to have to lose it and find it. Because he ain't moving because you're threatening to lose your mind. Huh? Oh, you better save my husband because I'm going to hurt me somebody up in here. He don't go to church with me next month, you know. And his mother's in all that, too, and I got me a new. He don't care. Huh? It can be mothers, grandmothers, sons, everybody's day for all God cares about your vanity. Huh? The Bible says they who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Why would you want to do that? Don't get God involved in nothing like that. But see, if we will stay with God's plan. Faith is not desperate. Faith is confident in God. Faith is not concerned about how long something takes because they, faith wants to give God time and give him ability and give him authority to do what he needs to do to help you through your difficulty. Amen. Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we thank you for understanding that comes with your word. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. And we lift you up because you're worthy to be praised and adored. And Father, we just thank you for the people assembled here that they have received your word. They will uh, embrace it and they will act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. If any-